0: Hey there, I'm Grace
1: and I'm Amelia
0: and welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors.
1: Interested in learning how to double your cash flow without the headache of turning your property into a hospitality-based short-term rental? Introducing Midterm Rentals. Register for our self-guided midterm rental profit academy course, where we walk you through step by step how to identify, analyze, furnish, market, and self-manage a midterm rental. Sign up at womeninvestinrealestate.com estate. dot com slash mtr profit academy and use code podcast for fifty dollars off today. Hello, and welcome back to episode 14 of the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast. Today, our focus is going to be on scaling quickly, and we are just gonna have a genuine conversation about how each of us scaled and kind of talk about some tips that we have to scale quickly because I know Grace and I both get asked this on Instagram a lot. Oh my God, how did you go from zero to over 20 units in Uh less than a year? So we thought this would be interesting to just chat about. So Amelia, I'm
0: going to kick it off with you. What do you think was the defining point? Or moment or realization when you realized like holy crap, I'm gonna keep buying a bunch of real estate and I'm gonna scale pretty quickly. (laughs) If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, good question. Quite literally, and I kind of don't even like to give this advice to newbies because I'm I truly think that you should focus on just getting your first property and then getting your second property and then your third. And it should be just kind of like a one foot in front of the other type of situation. But basically, after i had purchased my first triplex on my own got it all rented out it was cash flowing well i would i basically had been bitten by the real estate investing bug <laughs> and i was like I need to buy my next property ASAP. And I did like three months later from the same people that sold me the triplex. I bought a quadplex. And just to refresh people listening,
0: you use that money to buy that triplex from your first deal, which was a flip, correct?
1: Yeah. So I guess I had been bitten earlier than my first <laughs> buy and hold. After that first flip, I was ready to buy my next property. I wasn't sure what that was going to be at the time, but... Mm-hmm. I had decided during the process of flipping it that I wanted to buy a buy and hold. And it just so happened that I stumbled across a small multifamily, which I'm so thankful for looking back because it has, it had such a higher cash flow than a single family would in the mm-hmm. town that I was investing in that it allowed me to scale more quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, and I would say right yeah. away.
0: And you and I always talk about this is if you, real estate is not that hard. It's simple. Right. It's a simple concept. It's hard to put it in place, but at the Same time, also, if you can just do a decent job and have a decent product. We're both in areas where word of mouth travels fast. And I know you get people like every week texting you about rentals and do you want to buy this property from me? And do you know where I could rent an apartment? Do you have anything open? If you just are consistent and have a good product and try to be an ethical landlord, like there's a lot to say in the success that that's going to bring
1: you. For sure. I do want to mention this, and I don't even know the proper term for it, but I don't really know that I've ever talked about it before that much. So, I flipped a property and because it was our very first ever flip, we were able to basically defer the capital gains taxes on it for a year. Don't ask me to get into the specifics of it. There's a specific word for it. My boyfriend is a tax attorney, so he was basically like, you don't need to pay those taxes right away. You can wait until whenever the taxes were due the next year or whatever. So I basically used that money that I had set aside to pay it was like 20,000 in taxes that we had to pay. I used that money to put a down payment on the quadplex. So I bought the triplex with my, my earnings from the flip, bought the quadplex with my tax money from the flip and was just like, well, I guess I'm just going to figure out how to make that much money back. So I don't, necessarily recommend doing that but I'm very good with money I'm very good at budgeting so I knew that I was going to be able to like somehow save that money back up in the time needed to pay those taxes and at that point I had seven units and I didn't take any of the cash flow out of the properties I basically just saved that cash flow for like six or seven months to then reimburse the tax account and pay the taxes so that's how that worked. So basically, you did it, but you don't recommend it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But that's one of the ways that I was able to scale, and it was a calculated risk. It was, yeah, calculated risk is what I would call it. But I knew I was going to be able to pay it back, so I wasn't too worried about it. But I was just leveraging that money that would have just been sitting there otherwise. Okay, Grace, what about you? Like, When did you realize that real estate investing was going to be like your full-time thing?
0: Oh, full-time? Well, for me, I had extenuating circumstances that that were helping me think about quitting my job. And then real estate was like the answer to what I would do if I quit my job. But I think probably two deals in me and my partner Grant looked at each other and we were just like, we should just keep buying and not let the money stop us. Like if we have good deals, we will find the money. And so my first like 10 deals, I did all of them very differently. The first one, I think this will be interesting to people. The first one, was a burr. We've never sold anything. Keep this in mind. We put 20% down bank loan and then used cash for the rehab. We refinanced it. Second deal was two duplexes. I went in with my boyfriend and my sister. We went one third, one third, one third on these two duplexes. They were $255,000. So it was a great deal. And I convinced the bank to let us put 10% down. So I drastically reduced the cash that I needed to come up with. I couldn't have done the deal by myself, so I partnered. The next one, we used private money. Then I started getting into creative financing where I'd get deals for no money down or two, three, four, five thousand dollars down, some more private money, some more partnering, private money with bank loans. And I just kept figuring out how the heck I was gonna get the money to keep buying these deals. And the reason I did that is because I was always buying value add deals, I was not doing that on a buy and hold. I was doing it on value ads where I knew I was going to be able to reaccess my capital out of it and pay off private money or whatever it was that I was doing. But
1: for me, I just got scrappy. (laughs) For sure. Like, I think we both are just scrappy AF and we see a goal or we see how we want our future to look and then we just go for it. Like for us, real estate is that passive and I'm using the quotation (laughs)
0: Big air quotes.
1: Yeah, air quotes there for passive, but it is fairly passive if you get your systems in place and that's super important for Grace and I both. So yeah, so you touched briefly on the fact that you partnered and I think that's really, really important. And I know that there's a lot of back and forth in the real estate Mm -hmm. investing world on whether or not you should partner. But since this is our podcast and we're talking from both of our personal experiences, Grace and I have both partnered on most of our deals if not have you partnered on all your deals with your with Brant at least
0: yeah with Brant. then yeah all of them yeah i I don't own anything by myself except for my primary residence i don't even own for wire we've partnered and we actually have a third partner with really everything i yeah go ahead i love partnering
1: (laughs) no i i'm a firm believer in partnering as well i would say so i own 36 properties and only seven of those units i don't Own 36 units. Seven of those units are my own, solely mine, and the other 29. are with partners of some sort. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's a huge way to scale quickly because if you're like Grace and I and you're, you made an average amount of money going into investing and you're not independently wealthy, your money is going to run out at some point. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to figure out a way to keep scaling without using your own money, essentially. Right.
0: Yeah. And for partnering, one thing I always talk about was when way back like a year and a half ago when I started wire as like a 15-person online meetup who just 15 <laughs> random people showed up. And Amelia was the first guest. I was like, oh my God, Amelia is so cool. I would love to do this with her. But the thoughts in my head were like, well, I want to be in control. I want this to be mine. I want blah, 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 blah. And probably like a couple of days later, I decided to ask her to partner. This is what it's turned into. And I could literally never imagine if we weren't doing this together. And you have to remember that of nothing is still freaking nothing and 50% of something is a lot better and I know you probably felt that way when you stumbled upon your really great 11 unit deal knowing that you had a great deal and why would you partner but what were your thoughts and how did you get over that because you partnered with someone you had never met before
1: yeah well all I knew was I didn't have a hundred thousand dollars for the down payment (laughs) all i knew was that my bank account did
0: not show 100k ready to be spent
1: I sure didn't i knew all i know was i had spent a lot of my own money up until that point and a lot of money that wasn't even mine yet aka the tax money from <laughs> from my first flip but I knew I was so confident in the numbers, which I don't know how I was because looking back, this was only a year ago. But even at that time, like I feel like I was still a new investor. I'd been doing it for about a year, but I'm scrappy. Like I knew that I was going to be able to turn this property around and make Mm -hmm. it work. And so I just put myself out there. And I think the market in Iowa, it looks really good to investors that are on the coast because I bought an 11 unit apartment for $500 thousand dollars like there's no way that you're gonna be getting that on the coasts and so yeah I was just like well I'm gonna put it out there and see if somebody else like believes in me and is wanting to go in on this and so that's how that works and
0: you found some amazing partners and yes. now that deal has probably gone way better together than it could have been with just you oh not to mention 100... that you didn't have the money
1: <laughs> yeah oh I never would have closed on the deal had I not partnered
0: mm-hmm. it yeah
1: and it's been amazing. They are very hands off, which was their goal. And they pretty much just let me run the property how I see fit. And we have probably bi yearly meetings twice a year to check in. And so that's that. That's how you got plus 11
0: units on your portfolio.
1: Yeah. I think another really important part, and I want to ask you about this, is financing. Because obviously we both quit our jobs, but we're still able to scale and still get financing. So talk about how you went about making connections with lenders in your area.
0: So my first three properties I bought were with three different lenders. The third lender I have since stuck with and not changed on my last 12. But it is a commercial lender. So that means their terms are not as favorable, but they're very easy to get. And... Before I quit my job, I knew that I needed to like be in with this lender so that I wasn't getting crazily screened and like having to do a massive application every time I wanted a new loan now it's to the point where I literally email and say I want to buy like if it's refinance I say this is what I think the ARV is going to be this is what it rents for and she's like yep we'll order the appraisal and it's we're good but that's because we've had the relationship and she's seen me time and time again under promise and over deliver on what I say I'm going to do and the numbers that I say I'm going to get so I made sure before I quit my job that I did some really good deals. I said I was only going to appraise for this, so that appraise for more. I said I was going to spend this, I spent a little less just to really show her I know what I'm doing. I was very nervous that she was going to find out that I quit my job or like fire me as a client. Turns out it doesn't it didn't matter because it's a commercial loan, and I sent them all of my W two info and tax info the first time I worked with them, and then never again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I also use commercial lenders. They looked at my w-2 income i think right off the bat and they still ask for like my tax returns every year but they don't put nearly as much yeah like weight to that
0: yes i did send a personal financial statement probably a few months ago and that's just them glazing over the big picture making sure everything's nothing's crazy
1: so i've had people ask me like on instagram what do you mean by build a relationship with a commercial lender should you do that before you quit your job like so yes like grace said build that Relationship prior to quitting your job, in my opinion. And then also, like, just like you said, under promise and over deliver. Mm -hmm. It goes a long way.
0: I think it's two key aspects when it comes to building a relationship. One is like being an easy person to work with, yes, buying quickly, being thorough, saying thank you, being just a kind person. And the second is performing well. Are you performing the way that you're telling your banker that your deals are going to perform? And Mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. If you, are wrong time and time again and are constantly causing shit shows and scrambling to finish a deal. The banker is not going to trust that you know what you're doing and they're going to make your life a little bit harder for and your sure. loans harder to get.
1: Definitely. And I think being easy to work with somehow plays a part in scaling. It just makes the process so much easier. There's so many less roadblocks. I've had my attorney and their paralegal say, oh my God, you're the best person to work with. You're the easiest person to work with. And that feels really good. But at the same time, they also prioritize my Mm -hmm. stuff. They get my stuff done so fast and it's because I just, I make it really easy for them.
0: Yeah. And when I have gone to, let's say a title insurance company or a title company, the first time I did a wholesale and I didn't know how it worked. I tell them, how does this work? Tell me if I'm doing this right. Does Am I doing this the way that makes sense for you? You know, like to my attorney, I'm like, hey, do I, does it make the most sense if I email you? Do I email your assistant? Do I email you and then CC your assistant? What is your process so I can follow it and you can get my shit done quicker? (laughs) Exactly. And that
1: is what makes you easy to work with. Just ask. Yep, yep. And it's more streamlined for you. Then you know how they want it and there doesn't have to be nearly as much back and forth. Exactly. So basically commercial finance, financing partnering what else would you say is important to scaling quickly
0: think like a business owner from day one scrap the paper and pencil get the pm software day one get your social media set up day one Get a business phone number, a business email, because you're trying to show everybody else that you're professional, you know what you're doing, you have your business and your personal life separate, hire a bookkeeper, it's all that little stuff like don't wait until your business is big enough, If you're Mm going to build a big business do it now. It's going to be easier. That's
1: great advice. I Think love like that. a business.
0: And I remember for so long, I thought it was silly to call my real estate a business. Like kind of felt funny coming out of my mouth, but I just did it so many times because it is, it is a business. If you don't think of your real estate as a business, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Now I, I say that with ease. Like, yeah, my real, I have my real estate business. I have others. Like it's a business. -hmm. But for some reason, it felt so weird at first to call it a business, but it is, and you need to treat it like it. Definitely. Don't be mom and pop. (laughs) No,
1: don't be mom and pop. That's for sure. Don't be
0: mom and pop because you're going to build a giant real estate portfolio a giant business to so treat it like one
1: yeah and just the mindset that goes into real estate like you just have to realize that it's going to be tough like we said it's not hard it's not rocket science but there's such an up and down a roller coaster when it comes to real estate mm-hmm. and managing properties and managing rehabs and tenants and all of that so you have to have a really strong mindset and you have to really want it I think I, agree, I think I agree like it's so it looks sexy to be a real estate investor on Instagram or on social media. Like, I think people glamorize it a little bit, but it's not always as fun as it looks online, so.
0: Agreed, and I think another tip for scaling, I would say my last tip, and we did this a few episodes, Is knowing your buy box, like the back of your hand, so that you know what you're buying. You're not getting yourself into sticky situations. You're not getting yourself over your head. And when you do see a deal that fits, you jump on it and you get it.
1: Yes. I just watched a video the other day where someone called it. There's all sorts of names for buy box. But buy box, someone was calling it a strike box, like comparing it to baseball. Like if it's in your strike zone, it was like strike zone maybe. Then you're (laughs) you're like swinging. I know. I was like, oh my God, I love it. But yeah, I agree with Grace, like know what you're looking for and really have that narrowed down so that when those deals come along, you're ready to move forward and you don't have to waste as much time on the back end stuff. And also so you can tell people what you're looking
0: for. You can't articulate what it is that you're looking for. You're in danger. If you can't tell your real estate agent why that deal won't work for you, that's on you. You got to figure that out and Mm -hmm. so that they can know what to look for, not waste their time, not waste your time. So definitely, if you don't have a deal criteria, you should be writing that out ASAP, also known as buy box, strike box, whatever it is, (laughs) strike zone, (laughs) crystal clear criteria, crystal clear deal criteria, all of that good stuff. Basically, know what the heck it is you're trying to buy.
1: Okay, and also, I have one more, so (laughs) this is always how it goes, but... Tell people that you're buying properties and that you're investing to scale quickly. You need deal flow. You Mm -hmm. need an influx of properties coming your way. So tell your friends and family. Tell local realtors in the area. Contractors. Contractors. It's so crazy where deals come from, but you have to talk. You have to make a point to be talking about it, and don't be like self-centered and only be talking about yourself. But if it works in the conversation, like bring it up. People love to talk about real estate investing.
0: Oh my gosh. Ever since I started in real estate, it's what everybody asks me about because I'm very big on social media and I have a Facebook page as well for my business. So everyone and their moms knows what I'm up to and you wouldn't believe how many people want to know about it
1: and might have a deal for you. So yeah, let everybody know absolutely okay well that is it from me so thank you so much for listening to episode 14 i can't believe we're already on episode 14 but we really appreciate you guys and we will catch you in the next episode thanks so much for tuning in if you love today's episode please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community